Good morning. Welcome to We've Got It Done. The Source by Alex Ortega, Chapter 3, titled The Son of God. Let's begin with prayer. Dear Jesus, we're studying a subject that we want to feel very reverent and careful about. We pray for your guidance, for thy influence, Lord, in our understanding. In your name we pray. Amen. Was Jesus Christ really the divine Son of God in a human form, or was he just role-playing? Was he really the Son of God before he came to this earth? Seems like a strange question because it is not raised in the Word of God. But since the time of Constantine, there has ever been a party that denies Jesus is the divine Son of God. It is the position held by those who believe the issue was settled at the Council of Nicaea. They must account for the biblical use of the term only begotten Son of God, so they resort to making it an error in translation. They redefine the Greek word monogenes, only born, to mean unique. Further, they appeal to the council as having given the church the truth. Therefore, according to them, the King James Bible and the spirit of prophecy become the relics of poor scholarship. These claims will be fully investigated as we proceed. That this is not a moot question is shown in the following quote by those who defend their role-playing idea. Quote, is it not quite apparent that the problem texts become problems only when one assumes an exclusively literalistic interpretation of such expression as father, son, firstborn, only begotten, and so forth? Does not such literalism go against the mainly figurative or metaphorical meaning that the Bible writers use when referring to the persons of the Godhead? Quidden Moon Re, the Trinity, page 106, Review and Herald, Hagerston, Maryland, 2002. This philosophy, or actually theology, echoes the great allegorizer origin the scriptures are of little use to those who understand them as they are written. According to seminarians, teachers and students, literalism must give way to figurative or metaphorical meaning. We turn to the writings of Ellen G. White, 7 B.C. 915. Christ, at an infinite cost, by a painful process, mysterious to angels as well as to men, assumed humanity hiding his divinity, laying aside his glory. He was born a baby in Bethlehem in human flesh. He lived the law of God that he might condemn sin in the flesh and bear witness to heavenly intelligences that the law was ordained to life and to ensure the happiness, peace, and eternal good of all who obey. But the same infinite sacrifice that is life to those who believe is a testimony of condemnation to the disobedient, speaking death and not life. Manuscript 29, 1899. Christ assumed humanity by being born a baby in Bethlehem. Would assuming a mere role be a painful process? Why would being born be necessary if it's a mere role? Seven Bible Commentaries, 926, paragraph 3. Was the human nature of the Son of Mary changed into the divine nature of the Son of God? No. 
the two natures were mysteriously blended in one person, the man Christ Jesus. In him dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. How could two natures be mysteriously blended if one of them was only a role? Notice the one person that emerges in this blending is the man Christ Jesus. In the human body dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead. Seven Bible Commentaries, page 924. Only humanity could reach humanity. He lived out the character of God through the human body which God had prepared for him. He blessed the world by living out in human flesh the life of God, thus showing that he had the power to unite humanity to divinity. Review and Herald, June 25, 1895. A body hast thou prepared me, Hebrews 10, 5. Are both the King James Bible and Ellen White in error in teaching the person known as Jesus Christ was the human, the divine Son of God incarnate? Seven Bible Commentaries, 927. This was not done by going out of himself to another, but by taking humanity into himself. Thus Christ gave to humanity an existence out of himself. To bring humanity into Christ, to bring the fallen race into oneness with divinity, is the work of redemption. He did not cease to be the Son of God. He took humanity into himself. Five Bible Commentary, 1150. Jesus said to Mary, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father. When he closed his eyes in death upon the cross, the soul of Christ did not go at once to heaven, as many believe. Or how could his words be true? I am not yet ascended to my Father. The Spirit of Jesus slept in the tomb with his body and did not wing its way to heaven there to maintain a separate existence and to look down upon the mourning disciples, embalming the body from which it had taken flight. All that comprised the life and intelligence of Jesus remained with his body in the sepulcher, and when he came forth, it was as a whole being. He did not have to summon his spirit from heaven. The soul of Jesus did not have a separate existence from his body. He, all of him, remained in the tomb until his father raised him. Five Bible Commentary, page 1130. How wide is the contrast between the divinity of Christ and the helpless infant in Bethlehem's manger? How can we span the distance between the mighty God and a helpless child? And yet, the creator of worlds, he in whom was the fullness of the Godhead bodily, was manifest in the helpless babe in the manger, far higher than any of the angels, equal with the Father in dignity and glory. And yet, wearing the garb of humanity, Divinity and humanity were mysteriously combined, and man and God became one. Man and God became one, yet the schoolmen would have us believe God was just pretending. It really did not happen, for the thought's too great for them. How could the divine Son of God and the helpless babe be the same person? To them, there is no Son of God instead. They see a metaphor that's supposed to convey a type of love between a father and a son. Desire of Ages, page 49, says, Satan in heaven had hated Christ for his position in the courts of God. He hated him the more when he himself was dethroned. 
He hated him who pledged himself to redeem a race of sinners, yet into the world where Satan claimed dominion, God permitted his son to come. A helpless babe, subject to the weakness of humanity, he permitted him to meet life's peril in common with every human soul, to fight the battle as every child of humanity must fight it at the risk of failure and eternal loss. God permitted his son to come to face life's peril at the risk of eternal loss. Does eternal loss sound like a game? Was there actually something at stake? Could the Son of God lose his eternal life because he had become a human divine being? Seven Bible Commentaries, page 926, says, In Christ were united the divine and the human, the creator and the creature, the nature of God whose law had been transgressed, and the nature of Adam, the transgressor, Meet in Jesus, the Son of God and the Son of Man. The Creator and the creature, they're united in Christ. That could only occur if he had both natures. The helpless babe is the creature. Helpless means he could do nothing for himself. Jesus voluntarily gave up the exercise of his God powers in order to live an actual human life. The rules of engagement were simple. The Son of God would give up his form of God forever and take a human form instead. He would become a man in body and retain his divine Son character. Seven Bible Commentaries, page 926, tells us, Christ lived and died as a man that he might be God, both of the living and of the dead. It was to make it impossible for men to lose eternal life if they believed on him. If Christ was only a man, it would not be necessary to say he lived and died as a man. The fact that the divine Son of God lived and died as a man makes the risk of eternal loss real. If Christ came to die, then his only hope of life again was resurrection. Seven Bible Commentaries, page 926, tells us, He became subject to temptation, endangering, as it were, his divine attributes. Satan sought, by the constant and curious devices of his cunning, to make Christ yield to temptation. So his divinity was endangered because all his decisions were controlled by his humanity. He must live as a man surrendered to the Spirit of God without reserve. Seven Bible Commentaries, page 925, tells us, Jesus Christ laid off his royal robe, his kingly crown, and clothed his divinity with humanity in order to become a substitute and surety for humanity, that dying in humanity, he might by his death destroy him who had the power of death. He could not have done this as God, but by coming as man, Christ could die. Christ couldn't die as God. Divinity cannot die as divinity. That's what we just read. But by coming as a man, Christ could die. This stunning statement informs us that the Son of God could die under peculiar circumstances. He could not do so as God, but he made himself mortal, becoming his man. Whatever the man did, the divine nature of the Son of God was bound to do as the one person. Were the Father and Son separated at the death of Christ? Seven Bible Commentaries, page 924, tells us, The captain of our salvation was perfected through suffering. His soul was made an offering for sin. 
It was necessary for the awful darkness to gather about his soul because of the withdrawal of the Father's love and favor, for he was standing in the sinner's place. And this darkness every sinner must experience. The righteous one must suffer the condemnation and wrath of God, not in vindictiveness, for the heart of God yearned with greatest sorrow when his son, the guiltless one, was suffering the penalty of sin. This sundering of the divine powers will never again occur throughout the eternal ages. That's Manuscript 93, 1899. So the withdrawal of the Father's love is separation. How does a person separate from himself? This one statement proves that the Father and the Son are two separate persons. A sundering of the divine powers happened. It will never again occur throughout the eternal ages. In these few statements, there's much to explain away by the role-player teachers. Those who teach that Jesus is just a role-playing. How is it possible to believe that Ellen White did not understand what she was writing, or worse, wrote knowing it was not true? The King James Bible and the Spirit of Prophecy are in agreement. We shall find much confirmation that Jesus is the divine Son of God, and was known as such in heaven before he came to earth. In the chapter 3. I'm not going to add this to this because Alex has given permission to share this with the uh, provisio that nothing be added or changed. So I'm just going to read it as it stands. Let's close with prayer and I'll see you tomorrow morning for chapter 4, which is titled The Voice of God. Ooh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. This is wonderful. Dear Jesus, thank you for those who are here with me with an anxious to learn. We want to know the truth. I pray for their guardian angels to guide them, that they be influenced by your spirit, and that we, Lord, are prepared to meet you in peace and to know who you are, to know you personally. Thank you, Lord. What a privilege. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, brothers and sisters, God bless you today. See you in the morning for the voice of God.